0: Welcome back to Raising Rare. We are in our fifth season talking about the joys, challenges, and surprises of raising children with a rare disease. Our co-hosts, Sanath Ramesh and Brittany Ratke will keep you updated on their kiddos. And we hope our lineup of guests will give you new insights and hope. My name is Kevin Fryert. Welcome back to the Season 5 opening episode for Raising Rare. We've had a little bit of time off, and we need to catch up a little bit, and we're really raring to go for the next year. So let me ask you, Sanath and Brittany, what is one word that describes how you are feeling about kicking off the fifth season of Raising Rare, and why'd you pick that word? I'm going to say,
1: Uh, well,
0: unbelievable.
1: Go ahead.
2: When we started Raising Rare, I had no idea if you would go beyond one episode and a website. And now that we are in fifth season of Raising Rare, it's just truly unbelievable. I'm so grateful for um, you, Kevin and Brittany, for making this happen.
1: I love that. I went a little more cliche and went with excited um, as we kind of met over the last few weeks and discussed kind of who we can expect on the show and some of their experiences, I'm just really excited and antsy to meet everyone, hear their stories and learn more about each of them.
2: I'm actually going to ask a different question. Um, I have been reading this, uh, subscription on Substack, um, where, this author is talking about taking a instead of a new year resolution uh, setting up a new year word like what is one word that you would like to remind yourself of think or think about through the year um I, I don't know if you guys have thought about anything or, or, or something comes to your mind but I'm gonna start with my word um, and that's uh, ease I it's been a very challenging 2023. Um, but, and I don't know how challenging 2024 is going to be, uh, but I'm hoping to take that with ease.
1: I love that.
0: I'm going to use the same word for the question I asked and the question you asked, which is curious. I'm really curious to see what happens this year as we go forward. I just, I'm like Brittany said, excited. It's curious. And then to answer your question, I'm going to remain curious. And I'm going to force myself to keep asking more questions like, well, why did that happen? Or why do we have to believe that? Why do we have to stick with what we've always done Um, and just be curious and let it drive me?
1: So ironically, I actually had a word of the year. One of my girlfriends recommended this to me and mine is thrive. It had three points to the word to grow vigorously, to gain in wealth or possessions, to progress toward or realize a goal despite or because of circumstances. And I just like the idea of thriving because we're always just surviving a lot of the time.
0: That's very true. I love it. Um, A good friend of mine um, wrote a book called Thriving Blind. Her name is Kristen Smedley. And both two of her sons were born blind, and she realized that these kids were going to thrive because of that. They they're just absolutely strong, strong young men now, and being blind has nothing holding them back.
2: I have Kristen's book. Um, it's it's actually the first book I read after my son got his diagnosis. Uh, I remember reading the sitting at a pizza shop right next to my workplace um, uh, and just feeling incredibly hopeful for for Raghav's future. Um, it was, it came at a time where I had no idea that uh, people with severe disabilities could actually still thrive in the world. So that's just an amazing word, Brittany.
1: Thank you. And now I need to get a copy of that book. So thank you for the suggestion, which was another one of my goals to read more books this year.
0: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because this time of year, people tend to look at, you know, okay, we wiped the slate clean. Last year's gone. What's up this year? I'm asking truly curiously, um, as rare parents, do you approach it the same way or is it different because of your situation?
1: I think in a lot of ways it's, you know, similar to other parents out there. For me personally, I thought of it more as a way of it's another year to advance research and knowledge on our child's rare disease. It's another year and step closer to a potential cure, which, yay, we all love that. And another huge part was just an opportunity to look back on the last year celebrate surviving, but then also reevaluating things maybe that worked and didn't work, just so we can plan and prepare for the year ahead.
2: I, I was resisting the temptation of a new year um, because, you know, it's just another day, it's just another year, it has another month. Uh, but there was something about the transitionary period um, at this time of the year, especially with, with the world around you going quiet for a few weeks, and then starting back up with uh, new renewed energy that just made me feel like, yes, this is a transitionary period. Uh, I believe it or not, that is what my body and my mind is going through. Uh, and so um, as I was sort of slipping into this transitionary uh, period, uh, the thing that kept coming back to me is it's probably going to get more crazier next year. Um, and so what can we do to prepare for that? How can we handle more challenges uh, in a gra- with grace in a, in a graceful manner. What activities have I been doing last year that I feel now comfortable letting go of? Um, and what new activities, if at all, should I be starting this year? Or should I allow I myself to think about this year? Um, one of the areas that I allowed myself to think more about um, is going beyond the type of books that I usually read. I usually read nonfiction, um, but I also read more nonfiction that is like, will help me grow personally and professionally. Uh, but I have now allowed myself to read non-fiction that has nothing to do with with an immediate actionable growth, uh, but th- that would be more like history. Um, it'll be more like opinions
0: and so on. That's great. I tend to do the same thing where I read a lot of non-fiction. And back when I was working for a company and you know climbing the ladder and all of that stuff, I did a lot of things that were like that personal growth stuff. Since then, I've gone to biographies, you know, of great leaders or great interesting people in history. Um, I've gone to a lot of historical fiction um, to hear kind of, well, what's the personal view of what happened in history? Um, the more you make your your mind grow, it just opens up new opportunities. You, you said a minute ago, though, you know, you don't know what's coming, but But are there challenges that you guys already kind of have in your calendar saying, you know, we know this is going to happen, you know, whether it's a certain evaluation that's going to happen for the kiddos or a certain event, you know, in your family life, any big challenges like that, that you know are coming up?
2: Uh, Yeah, we've already started on one of those. Um, So Raghav got sick and uh, got admitted in the hospital um, over Christmas last year, Uh, so uh, during the hospital stay, we've decided to temporarily pull him out of school. So that's a big challenge because A, he's getting bored and B, we need to we need more people at home to take care of him. Uh, and I don't know how stable he is going to be uh, at home versus going to school, but that's that's a challenge that I know we are bracing for.
1: Yeah, and ours actually does kind of center around both of those things school and hospital. Um, obviously, the goal is always to try to stay out of the hospital. So I feel like that will forever be on our list. And then next year, we are transitioning and looking at different options for Evie for the school year. And I think around that is just a lot of unknowns and a lot of anxiety. And setting her up for success. And that is already starting as early as this afternoon. Um, We have a call prepping for that. And so there's a lot that goes into that. And I just don't want to miss any steps with that, I guess. And it's kind of scary at the same time, too, because we're really handing off control to people who don't have as much experience or or medical knowledge, and that can be really scary. I think for parents,
2: yeah, that's quite scary. Uh, I remember when Raga went f- to school f- for the very first time. We thought it was a one-week affair. That there is just no way he's going to be able to go to school and stay in school with uh, with a bunch of strangers taking care of him. Uh, you know, they, they, these kids have their way of surprising us, and obviously, we as parents won't let things go. Um, un uncontrolled, right? <laughs> We're going to make sure that the the, the the people that are taking care of um, Evie would do the right things at the at the right times. So, good luck with that.
1: Thank you for saying that. And I think the part that overshadows all of our fear and anxiety that happens on the back end is her pure excitement to be going to school. Um, I think that is just leading the way. And it's just a testament to her personality that she's just not afraid of anything. And she wants to jump in. And I love that about her.
0: There you go. It's the, for the kids, they're just experiencing things the kids experience, you know, in their own way. But she's going to school. She's excited, just like every other kid in the world gets excited when they find out they're going to school and even Raghav going back to school, you know, he's, it's going to be an adjustment, but he, he'll probably be excited, too. I mean, it, he gets to see those people that he's familiar with. Oh, no, he
2: loves going to school. Um, the teacher called us up earlier this week, which was the first week of school after the holidays. And and she was like, oh, we all miss Raghav, and he was a he was a loud one in the in the in the school, and we now the class is very quiet without him. <laughs> we were like, what are you talking about? He doesn't make that much of a sound. <laughs> apparently, he does at school. He, apparently, he's just a different
0: personality. I can tell you, as as a dad, you know what? You hear things from other people that your kids do, and you go, no way, no way, not not my kid, Yeah. You know, it, you know, mine always, they said, oh, they're so polite and respectful. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But (laughs) um, they've grown up now. They are polite and respectful. Um, So, what are the biggest questions that you hope to get answered this year? Because you both are living in a world of questions. Why don't you go first, Brittany?
1: Well, I feel like we're always living in the unknown with open questions. So this feels a little bit tricky to narrow it down just to one thing, but in the present moment, I feel like I want to have the seizure medication type and dosage figured out for Evie and really try to get that under control because it's such a snowball effect. So in this moment, that feels really important to our family.
2: Like Brittany said, I I don't ever hope for answers to questions. It's just living with the questions seems to be the the way of life. And uh, so I don't know what this this year is going to be. I think uh, I'm just excited to see what this year is going to bring us. That's all. As cliche as it sounds, that's pretty much it.
0: You may be one of our listeners who is actively trying to find treatments for your rare kiddo because no one else is. Have you ever felt like just when you thought you understood how to find and develop treatments, there's something new to learn, one more step. Imagine a place you can go to see the big picture and drill down to the details you need today. We at Salem Oaks are building that place. We are calling it the Biopharmaceutical Atlas for Discovery and Development your self-paced guide to understanding the process of medical research and development. We call it the Atlas for short. Each month we will deliver at least 30 minutes of bite-sized micro content that you can digest when it is convenient for you. We need your help to design the Atlas to meet your needs. So check us out at www.salemoaks.com Atlas. Yeah, so, you know, and you just kind of said it. It's it's hard to predict the future. It's just futile. But let me ask you guys, what do you want to happen in 2024? What are the I asked you about challenges before, but what are some of those known things that that you're you want to see happen?
1: I felt like I really had to limit a little bit of thinking about this, and at the same time it's great to have goals, but also attainable and reachable goals, I think is important. Um, So when I think about it for our family, I mentioned this earlier, but limiting hospitalizations, looking at starting a foundation or LLC for the set D5 community, which I rolled over from my last year goals. (laughs) And another huge one that feels important is continuing to work with our geneticists and team on publishing a medical journal for the set d5 to keep research moving and those items feel really critical as we continue to see more cases of set d5 and more critical cases because we are desperate for answers
2: uh the honest answer from my side is i hope raghav can Stay happy and healthy through the end of 2024 um, That's all. Everything else that we do seems I, I don't know. I think it's just gotten to a point where uh, where it, like his health on a daily basis, just like keeping it un, under control seems like the the only task that we have, and everything else just, just time pass. Uh, It's just gotten that complicated. I guess guess that's why I should. I feel like feel like it that
0: way. Part of all of this is that at times you'll feel overwhelmed like that, and that's I'm that's my word, not your word, but that just you have to just go with it. You just have to just let it happen, Um, and then other times, like Brittany said, she wants to get a publication out. It's kind of something concrete um, to, to to kind of go to toward, and Brittany, with your you know big goal of getting a a nonprofit or an LLC started, you know, those big goals, sometimes they don't happen on the timeline that you first dream up, but as long as they stay in the list, they're still the big goals, um, and they'll get done. You just, you just need to keep tiptoeing toward them. There's always a,
2: I just feel like with these big goals, if you, as long, if you actually keep them on the list long enough, they eventually happen. Um... That the tension is usually, should you still keep them on the list or not? Uh, I've also found that once you write them off the list, they happen.
0: Uh, so <laughs> it really depends on how big of a goal it is. Oh, true. <laughs> it, it's kind of our ability to, you know, be distracted. It's like, oh, that's not a goal anymore. Let me look at it. <laughs> um, And and look at it
2: without compulsion,
0: right? Like I think
2: uh, what happens if you write it off the list is, is you just like naturally find the right time to do it, rather than forcing yourself to work on it. Uh, And sometimes the forcing is a good idea because you know if it's off the list, you're never going to touch it. It's just like that hard, or um, uncool. But sometimes you just if it's if you're just afraid of it, I think writing it off the list usually helps you find the right time to naturally get to it.
1: Or as a joke to put a hard date on it because usually something emergent will happen and then it's not going to happen. So you have to keep it on your list.
0: (laughs) When I was in the corporate world and, you know, you have your annual goals and I'd write them out and it it was not hard after, you know, 30 years of doing it. But what I always found is I'd write the goals and then I wouldn't look at them until it was time that you were told you were supposed to review them. And you know what? You'd nail most of them. I I would I didn't have to look at them all the time. I had to spend the time thinking about what are my goals? And then I just got off and and got things done and they were in line with the goals. So it's a, it's a good exercise, but you can't beat yourself up if you don't make them. So what about raising rare? What do you hope we can do for patients and parents in the rare community? What's an aspiration for us this year?
2: I think reaching more patients and parents would be my aspiration. Um, I, I I think fifth season of a podcast is a, is just no joke. And, you know, there might, be, there might be 10 people listening to our podcast, but I don't care. I love you all. And I would love to continue putting something out that, Make sense for the ten of us that are that are listening um and I think it's just there, there there's a there there's there's a success element in in longevity right some people might say, why are you doing this if it doesn't make any sense but as long as there's someone that's listening that and it's interested in continuing to listen and we are all excited about putting it out there my my goal is we could keep doing more of what we are doing and it'll be season ten before we know it
1: yes. There's our goal. Keep that on the list. (laughs) Um, I'm in line with that too. And I just hope that we can really continue to be a safe place for rare parents and patients to land and a place to find solace and comfort and relatability. Because I know that throughout the journey, whether you're in the beginning, the middle, wherever you're at, that's really what we're trying to give. And for me personally, where I really found the connection is where I found a lot of hope and joy and connection.
0: Yeah, I think my, I don't know if it's a goal for it, but what I hope is we start to get some feedback, you know, and, and hear from people. It's been you know, five seasons of you listening to us out there. And it's closer to, you know, probably 100 people a week. Um, but it's a, uh, we'd like to hear from you and what's important to you, hear questions. And we got some ideas for doing that. I don't want to spill the beans before we've really figured it out, but we're going to try to figure out some ways to hear your voice more and respond to it. And one of the things, and it's going to lead right into our last question here, just the other day, I spoke to Ashling Finn, who's a, a mom, and she, she's a poet. Or she decided to use poetry as a way to process being a rare mom. And I had a phone call set up with her. So, you know, I do my due diligence, and I read both her books in the matter of two hours. Um, and as I read through it and did it kind of rapid fire like that, there's there's probably 75 different poems in there. I felt this this feeling of familiarity that, that was like, you know, all the people I've met in the Rare community, it was like, this is what they're always talking about. Um, and so I have some ideas for how to—we're going to talk to Ashley. I think she's going to be our next guest, um, depending on how scheduling goes. Um I thought we could feature her throughout the year by kind of reading her poems and responding to them. So I'm going to read one now. And just so our listeners know, Sonneth and Brittany haven't heard this poem before unless they've read her book. And I don't know where the conversation is going to go after it. So the poem's called The Doctor Called. The Doctor Called to See How You Were. I gushed about how well you are getting on In that moment, I forgot why I had this phone call. For moments, I got to behave like a parent of a child without anything complex. Momentarily, it felt good. I didn't mention the challenges this time. I will in a few days. But for now, my little world of denial feels safe. I
2: feel like that every day. Um, when someone's ask me, especially when 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 someone starts a new call, and they're like, "How are you?" Um, I'd say, "I'm good." And the next thought that I would not say is, "I'm lying." But it always feels good to good if someone asks me how are, how I'm doing. So it's amazing.
1: I totally agree because there are some days when I want people to ask how I'm doing and then maybe give a further answer, but other times I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and so a good or a fine is great uh, to get through the moment, but I do actually feel like that every day. Let's just live in this little moment of peace when I can get it.
2: Also, the other angle in this poetry is uh, a doctor asking that question. Uh, how often does it happen? I have a doctor. Who does ask that question? Um, So the situation was my son got his first seizure. Um, Both Ramya and I were just shaken by it. We had no idea. Never seen a seizure before. No idea what to expect. My son is sleeping. We frantically called the neurologist's clinic and let them know this happened. Uh, They said, the doctor will call you back. Um, I get a call from the doctor at 6 PM that that evening. and he was like, uh, do you have an iPhone? Can I FaceTime you? And I was like, do you, really, do you guys do that? Um, and I thought it was not hippa covered or whatever. <laughs> anyway, he FaceTimed us. Uh, he asked specifically, can I talk to both of you? And the first question he, he asked was like, how are you both doing? And I was just like, wow, dude are you getting paid for this? Are you okay to ask these questions? <laughs> um, and I just felt so connected to the doctor, right? Um, it 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 doesn't matter how qualified you are, um, but every time I meet with a doctor, mm. the way he asks questions, he includes us as a part of his care, which is just incredible.
1: That's so profound and gave me... Goosebumps because it's also someone you want to have on your team. I mean, that is, you need someone who's going to make that human level connection with you and then also allow them to care for your child at the same time. It's just, it's something we don't get enough of. But I also think that we, since we have so many people on our child's care team, we do a lot better job of choosing who we want to stay there. And so that's kind of what that made me think of, that we, not the same exact situation, but for Evie's, it's related to seizures. So our last hospitalization, we had a great epilepsy um, team that was added, and it was their level of human connection that made me want to include them on our team going forward. It wasn't necessarily asking how we were but the the way that they cared for her in ensuring that she was included and she was a part of the meetings and care team meetings because a lot of times we forget that like they can hear everything they're getting older and they're just kind of secluded and that was really important to us
2: very few few doctors are able to do that uh, I, I just, I I just wish a lot more doctors would 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 be that
0: empathetic. It's it's something that I wish they would put into the training of doctors. They do an awful lot of training, which isn't just medical knowledge. Um, and what you find is a a doctor who who's been in practice a long time, and in your case, sonnet, someone who's probably seen lots of seizures in kids. And it doesn't shock them nearly like it does you. Um, They're not comfortable with it, but it's, you know, they've they've seen it. They've got a certain caring maturity where they can say, hey, how are you doing? And it reminds me, I met the woman who diagnosed me with cancer in 1998. I met her 20 years later on a different doctor visit. and when I told her that she had diagnosed me with cancer, um, she went and shut her door and just wanted to talk. And I could see the difference in her from 20 years earlier when she was like, I've got 15 minutes, we got to go, boom, 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 you need to go to a different specialist. You know, it was one feel. And then it was, let's talk. I'm getting ready to retire. I paint. You know what I paint? You know, and it was just like, wow. That's what you needed when I was freaking out saying, did you just say the word cancer? Um, So I think it should be in their training. I think it'd be wonderful. Maybe that's something to wish for too, is that we change healthcare a little bit. I I think that
2: training is called life. (laughs) I don't think you can get it otherwise. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: Life experiences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think yeah, you could yeah, at least be true. I mean you to could
2: i mean I, I, that's certainly true right like uh, is there is there a course or is there a, is there one hour in like a, a, a seven year doctor's training where they're exposed to what good human beings do
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: we could lead it <laughs> i
0: think i I think you guys are really going to like talking to Ashling when we talk to her um. Because that poem was an example, and the discussion that we just created is just going to flow um, when we talk in a couple of weeks. So So thank you very much, both of you, for getting us to Season 5 and still being here. Um, And thank you to all our listeners. Please share this with your friends and anybody who who could benefit from hearing um, these stories. Uh, We really appreciate you guys out there. Thank you, and Happy New Year. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation on Raising Rare. Please subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. We would love to get your feedback through ratings and reviews. And this week, tell someone that you think would be helped by our conversations on Raising Rare that they should be tuning in to...